And hopefully, no heresies. Hello and welcome. This is episode one, Reformers Radio. I'm your host, DA the Reformer, and I'm so glad that you have taken the time out of your busy schedule to join me, whether you're driving in the car whether you're vacuuming your bedroom or your living room or your bathroom. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, I don't know if you're on your cell phone or if somehow you have a radio that gets podcast. If you do, I would like to have a word with you. You could email me at dattheformer at gmail.com. Also, with your special boombox radio that gets podcast, I'm pretty sure you could send tweets. So you can tweet me at dattheformer on twitter.com. I'm so glad that I'm finally here, yo. For real, this has been a long time coming. I've been waiting to get into the podcast game. I've actually had conversations with a few of you all who already do podcasts. And I appreciate the encouragement that you've given me. Um, All the tips and advice have been greatly appreciated. And I'm hoping to implement them, you know, in the coming weeks and months and If the Lord sees fit, maybe even a year or two or three, you know, I can't see past my nose. So I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. This may be my only podcast. I hope it isn't. But anyway, we're here now. So we're going to make the best of this time, you know. So Reformers Radio, why should you listen? Well, because we like reforming things. You know, this is only one podcast in a long line of reforming podcasts, podcasts that have come along to reform culture and life and just um, podcast culture. It has been a successful line up to now, and God's truth has been preserved and his truth continues to go forth in the world of reformed podcast. I'm not even going to start naming names because I'm sure you probably know who you are. And if you don't have a reformed podcast, I'm sure you know somebody with a reformed podcast. It really seems to be the thing nowadays. So I am continuing in that line of reformed podcasters, just bringing you more life, more culture and critiquing it, studying it, breaking it down. And growing from it all with a reformed perspective. Now, essentially, this podcast is going to be geared toward growing in our theology. I have a heart for those who are new to the doctrines of grace and Calvinism and reformed theology, mainly because I myself am relatively new to reformed theology. I haven't been... I'm an adherent, if you will, to the doctrines of grace as long as your favorite podcaster might have been. But I can assure you I'm out of my cage stage. And that's probably the main reason why I'm doing this podcast now, because I realized that caging is dangerous. I got into a lot of heated debates and arguments at home, 
you know, we'll talk about all those fun stories. But yeah, caging, it isn't appropriate only because we're bombarded, it would seem, with this massive truth for the first time, especially when you, you weren't born reformed. When you came up and say another camp and you just didn't talk about the sovereignty of God, you didn't talk about election and predestination. Um, these things weren't everyday vocabulary. Um, when that was your life, all of a sudden you actually read your Bible and see what it says. Um, it's eye opening. And you want to tell everybody and prove why they're wrong and shut everybody else down, especially that Arminian that sits next to you in math class. And that's just not the way to go about it. I had to learn pretty quickly because I live in a household full of Arminians. Um, my wife, thankfully, I, I hope she's a little bit less Arminian today than she was, you know, this time last year. Um, but it's only because of God's grace that we make it at any point in time, <laughs> really. Um, outside of that, we are helpless. And if we don't learn our theology, if we just continue to be echoes of what we hear in our favorite preacher, if we don't take time to root ourselves in the word for ourselves, we're going to be lost. We will lose friends and family members mm -hmm. and not because the, the doctrines are, are what divides us. Um, we will lose friends and family members because of our attitude if we cage for too long. Uh, ultimately, people may still resist. They're going to. Um, I still see it on a daily basis in the way that, you know, some of my family members respond to me, some of the things that they say to me. Um, sometimes it's like walking on eggshells, but... You know, I'm not the one causing it, at least directly anymore. I used to be, but not anymore. Right now, I'm at a point where I want to grow and learn what does God say? How does his word prescribe that we live? How do the doctrines of grace add to the abundant life? That's what this podcast is for, so... If you know them, if you have them, send me your cagers. We want to work with them. I want to work with them. And together, hopefully, we can form a little community around this podcast and really grow together and help each other through. Because one thing that I was missing early on in um, my walk after coming into Reformed Theology was community. I didn't have any Reformed friends around me. I didn't come to Reformed theology through a preacher I was sitting under, through a friend, um, wasn't a family member that did it. It was really all God. And the way he did it, it wasn't really dramatic. It wasn't crazy dramatic, but it definitely shook me. Um, I ended up at a point where um, I was at a time in life where I was looking into, you know, personal development. 
and I was listening to a lot of um, motivational speakers and teachers and, you know, a lot of people saying you can do it and you have the power, you know, that Joel Osteen kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, on like the secular side. So, you know, just your, your everyday motivational speakers and people to pump you up and prime you up and tell you how good you are and how powerful you are. And all you have to do is set your mind to it. And if you envision it, if you see it, you can do it. And if you speak it, you can bring it to life, write it down, put it on your mirror. So you see it every morning. And I began to wonder what does God actually say about personal, personally developing? Because a lot of these speakers they would use scriptures every now and again. They would take a Bible story and relate it to some principle they were teaching. But something inside me said, this isn't the whole story. Something inside me made me dig into my Bible and say, hold on, time out. What does God actually say here? What does the Bible actually say we should do about growing in our life? So while I had all these motivational speakers telling me, you know, I could do it, you know, all I had to do is look inside myself and reach down and, you know, be strong. I would see Jesus say things like, um, apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, the flesh profiteth, profiteth nothing, but it's the spirit that gives life. So seeing all these contrasts really started to make me think and. Between going through that, um, there was a lot going on at church, and that's a whole nother story we'll get into it another time. With all that and just feeling that there was more, um, thankfully, God knew what he was doing, <laughs> um, as if there's ever a time when he doesn't, but he had me in a place where I was open and receptive to a change. And it was no small change either. So to aid along in the change, um, in his providence, one of the things I had picked back up in this whole personal development thing um, was a, a lo love for reading. I loved reading as a kid, but got away from it as I got into sports and um Getting back into personal development, um, you know, they say readers are leaders and all that stuff. So went, while I was on that kick, I picked up um, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. And that book literally changed my life and set me on a course to be where I am today. And it was nothing but the providence of God. And there were. Just the concepts and the, the approach that J.I. Packer took in that book was one that I hadn't really thought about before, or at least not deeply. Um, and with him quoting, you know, reformers and other figures from church history, it started to make me look into who these individuals were. Um, between that and watching R.C. Sproul's program, listening to John MacArthur's podcast and um, John Piper, 
I was basically set on a crash course to become a Calvinist. Looking back, I was predestined for this. Like I had no hope. I had literally no say in the matter. But the um, the transformation, it wasn't drastic. It didn't take a lot for me to hook on to the doctrines of grace. Um, I like to think that I'm very logical, that I can see evidence and make a wise decision. And when I came across the doctrines of grace, it was really no different. I was faced with the decision as to I was taught one thing my entire life. And now I'm being presented with something almost completely antithetical. Um, but one thing that I've held on to my entire life was that God is always right. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you say. God is right. So when I look back over my life, in some aspects, I was reformed before I was reformed. And just one way I see that is that I knew and I know that the Bible takes precedent over anybody else's word. I don't care who you are, what you have to say. If what you're saying contradicts what the Bible says, then I don't want to hear it. So when I was faced with the doctrines of grace um, I, and I wrestled with each with each point, you know, wrestling with the the total depravity of man. It didn't take much to really accept that point. The fact that you can turn on the news and see exactly how depraved mankind is. Also, with the, the field that I work in, I see it on a daily basis that people will do anything. One, to survive. And two, just because evil is in us. Sin pervades every inch of our being before we regenerate it. Before we come to Christ, we are God's enemies. And the world plays that out. We see it every day. Every day there's something new. Whether it was uh, another mass killing or another threat of harm elsewhere or just disease in general. Sin is destroying the world. The, the way things are, there's really no other explanation for it. I had a conversation with um, a coworker one time and he asked me, and I know this is just getting off on a side note, but he had asked me, he was like, we were having a conversation about animals and what makes a human. And, you know, he's a, uh, he's weird, but you know, he had asked me, so why do animals kill each other? And I don't know how he, I forgot exactly how we got on the topic, but he asked me, why do animals kill each other? I was like, well, the short answer is sin. Because sin is in the world. Sin has invaded our planet, the world that God made. And it's the world is destroying itself from the inside out, you know, and scripture testifies to that. And humankind, we age, our bodies break down, we're in pain. And, you know, people mistreat others other individuals created in the image of God. We will mistreat them and not think twice about it. 
because we're selfish beyond belief. That's sin. That's pride. That's what's in our heart before God comes in and changes it. So seeing that we're totally depraved wasn't um, it wasn't difficult. And dealing with unconditional election was um, a bit more a bit more difficult, but not too much. Because there and again, um, I believe I forget who I heard ask the question, but it's, they asked, you know, did you choose to be saved? Or does God choose you to be saved? You know, and it's like, if you choose God, then he's basically rewarding you for choosing him. But scripture doesn't back that up. Scripture actually points the opposite direction and says that there was nothing in us that God saw. God didn't look down the corridor of time and see that we would choose him thereby resulting in him choosing us. That doesn't work. That's um, hermeneutical gymnastics. That doesn't fly. God's decision for election is solely based off of his goodwill because of a love, a great love with which he loved us. He decided to show grace. We don't deserve it. And God would be well within his right to just shut us off because we're his enemies and we don't want him. Scripture says that no man goes after God. He'd be perfectly fine. He was fine before us and he's going to be fine after us. But because he wanted to display his glory, he brought us in this world and that's what we're here for. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And that's what we're here to do, to glorify God. And in his election of us, he displays his glory. Not only in his election of us, but in his non-election, if you will, of those who will be reprobate. Those that die in their sins. I know it's harsh to think about. And this was one of the um, tougher things to get over. But Paul in Romans 9 asked a question. He said, you know, is there any injustice with God? No, there isn't. God can do whatever he wants with his creation. He is the potter. We're the clay. We have to deal with it. So if he has chosen you, if he has elected you then glory to God, praise him. (laughs) You know, you have been given the greatest gift. You essentially have eternal life. And there's no taking it back. But if you're not made new, if you're not born again, if you're not regenerate, if you don't know Christ, then I would urge that, you know, you cry out to God. And ask that he save you and change your heart and make you new so that you can live a life that glorifies him. Otherwise, you're lost. So God in his selection of us does it solely to fulfill his own purposes. And 
again, moving on after I had, uh, this is just a brief overview of how I came to reform theology. Um, like I said, I had to wrestle with each point as I believe most people do wrestle with each of the five points of, um, reform theology or, um, tulip, which in no means is a, a comprehensive, um, overview of what reformed theology is, but it sums up the doctrines um, pretty nicely. But again, it's just like a stepping stone into it because reformed theology is so much more. But um, it's an acronym. I mean, acrostic TULIP, T-U-L-I-P. I've already discussed the T. I've discussed the U. Um, the L in TULIP is limited atonement, um, which I learned means that basically Christ didn't die for every single individual that ever lived. Because if Christ died for those that um, went to hell or are going to hell, then essentially his blood and his sacrifice saves no one. If even one individual that Christ died for goes to hell, then no one's guaranteed to make it to heaven. Because apparently Christ's sacrifice wasn't enough. Christ was the propitiation for our sins. He bore our penalty. He paid the price for us. So if Christ paid the price for our sins and someone dies and goes to hell and ends up paying for their sins again, then that first transaction didn't go through. And that's unfortunate. But we know that, again, Scripture doesn't scripture doesn't teach that. Jesus said that all those who the father gives, he'll raise up on the last day. All those who are in his hand, he won't lose one. All those who are in him, he won't cast out. So if Christ has called you and you have responded to the gospel, then you're the one of the ones he died for if you persevere until the end. But that there and again isn't your own responsibility because if God has selected you, he'll bring you through. In Romans 8, I believe is at um, 29, where the scripture says that those he, those who he um, sanctified he justified and those who he justified, he glorified. And I know I'm not quoting the scripture right right now, <laughs> but it's late. Please bear with me. Um, but yeah, if God has called you and you have responded and you're one of the ones Christ died for and your sins are forgiven, you're taken care of. All you have to do is walk in his ways, walk in the light, walk as children of the light. Because that's what Christ gave us the power to do when he sent us Holy Spirit. Speaking of which, the Holy Spirit is what makes us able to come to Christ. When he calls us, because the Holy Spirit has invaded our hearts per se and changed our hearts, we now want to respond to Christ. This is um, irresistible grace. The grace isn't irresistible because God drags us kicking and screaming. I don't know one individual who is saved today 
that says that, oh, I was saved against my will. Just about everybody will say, oh, I chose Christ or I came to Christ or something along those lines, which eh, may not be the best words to use. But essentially, because the Holy Spirit changes our hearts and makes us able to choose Christ, that's how we choose him, because God gives us the ability Jesus had told Nicodemus in John chapter three that no man can come to the father unless the Holy, unless the father draws him. So we don't have the power within ourselves. We can't do it. It's not possible. Romans eight talks about how the mindset according to the flesh minds the things of the flesh. It doesn't care about the things of the spirit. It can't do the things of the spirit, nor does it want to. So. Anybody who says that, you know, they chose Christ and, you know, they did it themselves and, you know, they were wise enough to make the decision or whatever, they're wrong. God makes us able to respond to the gospel. When we hear the voice of Christ through the gospel, we respond. We are going to respond. We have to respond because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And they come to me. So, again, when God calls, you're coming. It's best not to fight for too long because, you know, we'll fight our way into some uh, bad situations. But those who are elect cannot resist all the way to death. Because that, again, would bring us back to that point. Who did Christ die for? But moving on, the last point that I wrestle with early on, as we all do, um, unless you're born Presbyterian, um, it's the perseverance of the saints. God will bring us through. He will bring us out. He'll bring us through this life and he'll bring us to himself. He will be the one who gets all the glory out of our life. Everything we say and do that essentially matters in this world. Everything good is only because of the grace of God. God is the only one who will bring us to himself. It doesn't matter how good we feel about ourselves or how much we feel like we can do it outside of God, we, we can't. There's literally nothing we can do. And God will be the one who perseveres his saints, who brings them to the end. Because he's already done it. And before the foundation of the world, he has already brought us to himself. You know, I had uh, had to pull up the scripture because I wanted to quote it right. Romans eight twenty nine. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the first firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who he justified, he glorified. His work is already done within us. When we respond to the gospel and then proceed to live a life 
that glorifies him, our salvation, our place in eternity is secure, not because of our works, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that's why we live a life for him. It's to show our gratitude, to show that we want to obey. We want to live out the decrees of God. We want to do these things because we love him, because he's loved us. He's given us life, and we give our lives back to him. We offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, because that's our reasonable service. God is the one who does it. And kind of to um, encapsulate all of this, um, the overarching theme of it all, one of the major points of Reformed theology that I came to learn is the sovereignty of God over everything. Literally, everything that happens has happened and will happen. God is sovereign over. And I know that opens up a, a can of worms, if you will. And we'll get into all of those questions like, you know, the, the problem of pain, problem of suffering. Um, does God decree evil? Does God make a sin? They're heavy questions. They're legitimate questions. And we're going to handle all of them eventually, one day. Um, but definitely not right now. But God and his sovereignty, it, it really didn't take me long to see that. Um, I look around and say, hey, he created this world. He created this universe. There's no reason why he's not in control of my life and everything that happens. But not only my life, he's in control of your life as well. So that was um, a little overview of my foray into Reformed theology. Um, again, the reason for this podcast is just so that we can grow in our theology, really. Um, we're going to deal with sports, culture, art, um, I love music. One thing I want to do, I want to um, get in contact with maybe some indie artists or somebody just trying to come up looking for a platform to be heard. Um, so if you know anybody making music that wants to get out there, I don't I mean I don't have the I'm not the gatekeeper or anything, but I mean, I'm sure at least four or five people are hearing them hearing me right now. So I want to bring out some good music. I want to talk about good music. Um, and I want the music, you know, to glorify God. That's one of the other things that I love about, um, the Reformed faith since, um, I've actually discovered Reformed theology and really learned how theological music can be. It's literally changed my life in the way I listen to music. And it's kind of hard not to kind of look down my nose at some of the other stuff I used to listen to, but there's definitely a difference. And, not saying that, you know, music will send you to hell, because I definitely thought that at one time, that the devil was in my music and he was using it to get me. Um, we just got to be wise in our musical selections. So we're going to talk about music. Like I said, we're going to talk about sports, culture, but overall, the theology behind it all. Um, I just saw an article. We'll probably get into this next week or in the next podcast. Recently saw an article 
where a coach attributed um, the Golden State Warriors' current success to their godliness, the godliness of their team. Um, I'm getting it wrong. I think a coach actually said that the way to beat them was with prayer. And then in the article, they had quoted um, a couple of the players and they talked about their faith and how they have a team of believers and everything. So we're going to deal with things like that. Um, Other issues that have gospel elements and gospel undertones and even gospel overtones. And I don't know what any of those words mean, but they sure do sound good. Um, But I hope it works. I hope I use them in the right context. I don't know. Um, But... Yeah, that's what we're going to do. So before I leave you, I'm going to tell you a little about myself. I know 30 minutes in. Why now? Um, Because, man, I mean, I really haven't introduced myself. My bad. Um, Like I said earlier, I'm D.A. the reformer. Why am I a reformer? Um, Because I'm reforming my life. I'm not uh, I'm not famous by any means. I'm sure. If this is your first time hearing this, you probably have never heard of me, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not in it for the fame, you know, Soli Deo Gloria. So I am a sinner saved by grace. I am a husband. I'm a father to one and soon to be another. Actually, by the time this airs, um, by the time it posts, I should be a father again to a baby girl reformer. So that's pretty exciting. And I am, um, I don't know, I'm just a guy, yo. There's really not much to me. You know, I'm simple. I like my books. I love my family. And I just want to glorify God in all that I do. Everything I set my hand to do, I want to glorify God. I've actually recorded this podcast once, but it was terrible. So I said, I'm not going to put that up. I'm going to stop and record it again. And five hours later, here I am. So hopefully this was a much better product. Um, Just a couple of things you can expect as far as features go in the podcast. Um, I'm going to have a section where we deal with um, a theological matter. Why? Because theology matters. You know, you can't tell me theology does not matter. So we're going to have one section of every podcast devoted to a theological matter. Also, we might have, like I said, you know, a little spot for music. We're going to talk about different topics ranging from whatever I can think about, honestly, whatever I come across. Um, Just as an example, I really dislike HuffingtonPost.com. I would read HuffPost articles um, two years ago at one of my jobs And some of the stuff that they post is simply astounding. So every now and again, we're going to talk about why I really dislike HuffPost. We're going to read an article. We're going to break it down. We're going to chop it up and, you know, do it for the glory of God and point out all the antithetical points (laughs) to scripture and to just logic and life in general. Um, I feel like they, they don't have good editing over there. That they just kind of let random people type up letters and articles and then put them up. Some of the stuff that comes out of there is crazy. It simply does not need to be seen by other human eyes. 
sort of like this podcast. I mean, I'm pretty sure somebody is hearing this right now. If you've listened for the last 36 minutes, I really, really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with me. Um, I know this is episode one. I promise we're going to get better. I'm going to get better. All I ask is that you stick with me. All right. This has been episode one, man. It's been a long time coming. Um, Reformers Radio. I am DA the Reformer. Like I said earlier, you can get at me at um, DA the Reformer on Twitter. If you want to send me an email, you can send me an email at DA the Reformer at gmail.com. I don't have a voicemail set up yet. Um, I do have a website, but I don't want you to see it. Um, so, you know, this is what we are. This is where we are. This is what we're doing. I hope you enjoyed the show. Tell a friend. Um, repost a link or something. Tell them to subscribe on iTunes, maybe. But until we meet again, yo, go reform something. <laughs> <laughs>